Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the Kings Herald and my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Will, um, I'm doing pretty good. I, I wish the Kings were going better, and I, I look forward to the first podcast where I can have something like nice and short to say about the team <laughs> that we're all watching, but it hasn't happened yet. But I'm right. always uh, always excited to spend a couple hours with, with you guys, so... Yeah. It's, it's always a lot of fun trying to find a way to dance around the fact that the Kings just aren't good, and we don't have to talk about it any further past that. Well, he's the uh, managing editor of the, of the Kings Herald, freelance writer for the Sacramento Bee, and the man responsible for talking me down off the Kings ledge more than a couple of times, Greg Wissinger. Greg, we are so happy to finally have you on the show. How's it going tonight? I'm happy to be here. I'm a little concerned, though. If you've got me being the person talking you off the ledge, like, like that seems like a strategy doomed to fail. There's a lot of us on the ledge, okay? <laughs> it's just a big party up there. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a crowded ledge. He's a, uh, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, the uh, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Well, it's great to be with you guys, and of course, I know I'm responsible for getting a lot of you up on the ledge over the years, <laughs> including myself. <laughs> you were the propaganda arm that let me stay on the ledge for as long as I, as long as I could. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's set the scene here a little bit. Uh, the Kings are two and three since last time we spoke, breaking a five-game losing streak against the Lakers and the and the Houston Rockets, uh, or beating Houston Rockets afterward in Sacramento before losing three straight. To that same Rocket squad, uh, the lowly Detroit Pistons, and then Saturday night against the Giannis uh, Bucks squad in Milwaukee without De'Aaron Fox. Um, at the start of a stretch of uh, six away games in the next seven, before we get to talking about the upcoming schedule and just how drastic things might get here in Sacramento, I got to ask each of the three of you, is there anything we can glean from the last five games? Is there anything at all that we can glean from the Kings losing to two of the worst teams in the NBA and beating the Lakers and, 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 and then beating one of the worst teams in the NBA. Is there anything at all? Well, I, I would say this, I, I think uh, the thing I could glean from it, it's not a surprise, but if you're really awful on defense, you're, you're, you're capable of being beaten by anybody. And that's what we saw. And I mean, that's uh, at the end of it, uh, you know, when you, when you can't guard anybody, whoever you're playing is going to have a chance to win. Guys, as, as fans, uh, is there anything that you guys took away from these last couple of games that you saw? So I, I took away kind of two different pieces. So the first was, I mean, one, no one was shocked by any of these, right? Like every single one we've been insane, like, yeah, they, they could very well blow this because they always play down to their opponents. You know, the teams they're supposed to be beating, they're not taking care of business against. They're, they're falling apart late in games. Like none of this is shocking at this point. It's just kind of the same show, different night. Um, and kind of to that point, I think the other thing that I'm taking away from it is we know that there's talented players on this team that should be able to play better than what's going on right now. And it just tells me that they've got to shake things up because this roster as a as a unit is just checked out. Yeah, and I guess I would add that I um, 
even though the Kings, uh, I, I shouldn't say the Kings say this, but reports suggest that the Kings direction all year has been win now playoffs play in. That's been sort of the, the narrative of what the, what the front office wants to do. And I guess for, for what I'm gleaning recently is that the players can, can change your plans pretty quick. And I think, you know, two and eight in their last 10 games, uh, for as much as the Kings want to be win now, the players are, are, in my opinion, sort of taking that out of Monty McNair's hands a little bit and saying like, nah, like there's, there's nothing to win now here with, um, we're packing it in. So I guess that's sort of been my, my takeaway watching this team is it, it seems like the, uh, like we've been talking about Monty picking a direction and I feel like the players are sort of picking the direction for him. Jerry, I'm curious as, as a former general manager, you're watching this team all year long. And if this is the team that you've built, not going to ever accuse you of something that bad, but if this is the team that you built and uh, you're pushing for the playoffs and in everything you've said in interviews is no, we're gunning for the playoffs. Does that five game losing streak and then following it up with a loss to the Rockets and the Pistons finally kill that notion for you that your team is a playoff team? Yeah, I think so. I mean, really, I think it's some, not that maybe it shouldn't have been killed a little sooner, but, but I understand, you know, how you want to believe what, what you believe and, uh, you know, hope that, uh, springs eternal, so to speak, but, but that ought to, that ought to pretty much, uh, taken hope right out of the question. Uh, when those are home games, and then you look at the fact that you played more home games than any other team in the league. And, and this is where you are. So I, I think, you, you know, you just have to say, look, uh, it isn't working and it's not going to work. And we, and change is definitely needed as Greg pointed out. I mean, you, you just can't say this roster is going to all of a sudden be good or there's nothing to base it on. The Kings are, uh, they're currently five and a half games out of the eight seed, two and a half games out of the 10th and uh, three games out of the fourth worst record in the NBA. They're 12 games under 500 Tony and Greg uh, try to justify this if you can. If you're the GM here, is there any is there any way you can you can look through these dark dark clouds and see a silver lining in hopes for getting your team to a to a play in game or a playoff series at all? So the depressing thing is that because the play in exists, I mean the Kings aren't out of contention for the play in. Like you could do a couple of moves and easily you know, kind of fight and claw your way to the, the 10 seed. I mean, uh, as we're recording this, the Kings are three games back of the 10 seed with, you know, the Clippers ahead of them, Portland ahead of them, New Orleans ahead of them, like teams that aren't great, having their own issues, you know, injuries, what have you. Like, yeah, it's not unrealistic to think you could still get there. It's more a question of, is that a actual accomplishment or something worth chasing at this point? Just because, you know, what's it going to take to kind of push to get to that level? And does that matter? You know, if the Kings make the 10 seed, who cares? Do any of us think that they're going to win a series and move to the actual playoffs? At this point, there's nothing to suggest that. So, I mean, the silver lining, if you are someone who still wants to win now, is that that plan is still on the table. It's not out of it, but it's just a question of, is that, worthwhile because while they're three games back at the 10 seed they're three and a half games ahead of last in the west sure yeah i mean there's not a whole lot to add there it's it's a math problem and monty mcnair depending on how stubborn he is can continue to try, try and drive in that direction i mean it's not it's unfortunately not like a definite that they're out you know the i'm quickly learning that the 10 seed is awful 
Like I was kind of into it last year, but having that carried out there is dangerous for bad teams. It's dangerous because you get stuck in the middle and, and it, again, you know, the math checks out where Monty, he can push for it if he really wants to. Um, so we're going to find out how stubborn he is, I guess, these next two weeks. So talking about the, uh, the games to come in the next seven, the game, uh, the next seven, the Kings are going to face Boston who's in desperate need of a get right game An Atlanta Hawks squad currently on a three game losing streak, trying to pry their way into the Eastern conference playoff hunt, a Sixer squad holding onto the six seed in the East, a Knicks squad, just a hair out of the play in game. The Nets who currently own the best record in the East and the Warriors who own the second best record in the West. This isn't necessarily a hopeful stretch for the Kings. So I'm curious, Jerry, first, if you're Vivek Ranadive, do you let your GM continue to, uh, to to manage this team if if the kings go over in this stretch is there any is there any fear that monty mcnair might be out before the end of the season or do you feel like you're going to let him play out the season and uh, regardless of of how this between now and the all-star break goes yeah i don't think you could uh i just wouldn't see any uh anything there as far as uh, changing your gm mid-season i think that's really rare to do something like that. Uh, but, but I mean, I think th- from what we understand, you know, uh, basically you know, we talked about the last time he's got the green light, uh, which I don't know why he didn't have the green light the day he was hired, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I also know, you know, uh, the, he, he needs to get something done. And, and obviously I think Vivek uh, base expects him to now, even if it's moving deck chairs around, uh, I mean, and I think just uh, really the way the circumstance is when you look in the stands or lack of people in the stands, uh, I mean, uh, just cannot uh, stay status quo, whatever you do. Uh, you know, we're all hoping for a home run, but right now a, a dribbling single up the middle uh, would, would be a start. And, sure. and I, so he, he has to get something done, but to answer your question, do I think he'll be replaced? No, no, I don't. I, and I don't think it'd be, make sense to do that because, sure. you know, what, what are you going to do? Have an interim GM, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Is there any fear for Alvin Gentry where Gentry is obviously slipping in his record as well? Is there any chance that Vivek decides to pull the old uh, George Carl maneuver and uh, makes uh, give give himself a third coach in in one year to to work with. Oh, I think that's always possible. I think we've <laughs> we've uh, we've seen that, so we know that's that's possible. Uh, you know, I and Alvin may be in favor of it himself. He may be <laughs> yeah. he, he, he may be politicking behind the scenes. You know, because he's got a nice little uh, golden parachute waiting anyway. And uh, you know, he I mean, Alvin's I know I've known him a long time, and uh, he he. He knows that there's not a lot of wins going forward and, uh, you know, his record's what it is. Not that he probably expects another head job, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think Alvin would be too upset. I mean, you know, I, but we'll, we'll see. So I, yeah, that part wouldn't surprise me at all if they somehow another decided, boy, another, uh, another coaching change will really get this team going. And, uh, you know, okay, bring in Tyrone Corbin again and see how that works. <laughs> uh, Tony, Greg, I'm curious, uh, how bad a record do the Kings have to have before the plug is pulled on this version of the team? Is this the stretch where we see the Kings lose another three or four in a row and Monty McNair makes a desperation trade, or do you think it goes right to the deadline for them? I, I think it goes to the deadline. I, I don't think that – I mean, let's be honest. If you've watched everything last season – 
everything up to this point through this season and you're not feeling any sense of urgency what's another couple of weeks I mean it, there's been times over the past year and a half we've all said like this isn't working they need a big change shake something up and, and we've seen just kind of minor moves around the the fringes and you know a little tinkering and, and no sense of urgency that there's this belief that this team is better than what it is and it's going to fix itself somehow I mean We've been waiting for the urgency. And I mean, we saw just a, the tiniest bit of it when they fired Walton, but I don't see him firing Gentry. I don't see him firing McNair, especially not before the deadline. I mean, I think that'd be irresponsible. You got to at least give him through the deadline, see what he can do. If you're unhappy with him at that point, I don't think there'd be anything wrong with firing him before the end of the season and beginning your search to where you could have a replacement in place before kind of the off season begins in earnest. I, I don't think that that'd be necessarily bad, but that does complicate things with your candidate pool as well. So it's, I, I don't think we're going to see any urgency just because <laughs> they haven't shown any yet. Sure. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing to salvage, at least in the George Carl year, um, they were hiring the guy they knew would be there for a few years and he wasn't even there for that long, but at least they were like, all right, we're going to bring this guy, give him, you know, an early two months and he's going to have the next, however long his contract was i don't see that happening here and there's no and i'm i'm like i would as a as a fan who's who's um i don't know i've had a hard time caring about anything with this team for a few months now i wouldn't want to see them do that like why it just seems like unnecessary drama like what are we doing like i don't know we all know the 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 game like we all know where things are at right now it's there's nothing to save you're not going to jump start anything with a new coach or a new gm at this point you let it ride its course and we'll figure it out in the offseason yeah, to me, and if you're going to make changes like that, of course, I, I've been saying this for a long time and I know it never happened, but if you're going to change the GM job and, and all that, first of all, uh, if you're going to change the GM, uh, basically change it to somebody that's actually a proven winner. Somebody's done it, not another rookie. You know, I mean, that that's all I'd say. It's like if there's ever a franchise that needs somebody who actually could step into the role you know, that has been there, done that, you know, whether it's whoever, I mean, some, and I've always said it, so it's easier to get those people than you might think. You actually have to talk to them and, and, uh, and, 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 and make a push to get them. So that, and let, and, and this is strange, I know not to you guys, but then that person, if in fact you do make that change, uh, and he's a proven franchise builder, has had some success or a lot of success, you hope. Let him hire the damn coach. <laughs> what? No, that's bizarre. That doesn't I've work, never heard Jerry. of him. <laughs> I, I, I know. That's silly me. <laughs> I've always felt like uh, uh, Vivek uh, has uh, spent his time a little too patiently on some of these things. Like Vladi got a year too long. I feel like personally Luke Walton got a year too long. He kind of has a tendency to let people go past his leash a little bit. And so I've seen a lot of fear mongering about not necessarily fear mongering, but uh, advocating even for Monty McNair being gone as soon as something doesn't happen. Or if they trade for Ben Simmons, fire him. If he does, if he doesn't trade for Ben Simmons, fire him. And I, I feel the same as you guys. There's, there's not a chance of that happening. I feel like Alvin Gentry might quit before any of that happens. But in that case, then you get your, your, your uh, Doug Christie tryout for the end of the season. Um, a lot of this episode, I want to get into uh, the trade news. That's kind of the biggest thing here as we're ramping up. We've heard a variety of rumor mongering in the last two weeks, and I want to try to get to as many of the credible ones as possible, uh, at least with players in, involving the Kings. Uh, 
So first, I want to start with De'Aaron Fox. Uh, we've heard last week that uh, Fox was made available in trades. The later uh, later on, then we heard that uh, they were going to focus on building around Fox and Halliburton. Uh, and uh, so I guess my, my question is, having conflicting reports in, uh, within hours of each other, is this gamesmanship from the Kings or simply that the Kings put feelers out for maybe who might be interested in a Fox uh, trade and didn't get the return they expected, so they pulled them off the market? Well, you know, my, my feeling on that is I don't know how else you would handle it. In other words, as long as both players are there, sure. uh, why wouldn't you say that? Now, you know, and you may believe that. Don't get me wrong. There may be full belief that that is the case. Uh, and all that being said, uh, I, I mean, I think they've kind of made it clear that everybody is tradable. Sure. And, and of course they should be. I mean, you know, we all like Halliburton a lot and most fans with his contract and everything seem to think that that's the guy you can't trade. And my contention would be, of course you can. Uh, you know, if, if John Morant's available for Halliburton, you trade sure. him and you, and you, you throw in a pick, whatever you, you know, <laughs> I mean, but, but, but I mean, the, the, the reality is those, no, that, that's just talking about reality here is it? yeah, he's a, prospect on the right contract that you really like everything about him well he's he's a guy that that you would most like to keep uh fox to me is a, a heck of a player a heck of a talent uh can he can he be the a man guy guy to lead you somewhere well so far you would have to say no because the kings aren't going anywhere and uh and he's under a max contract which uh you know, I think the reality is it's uh, he's a difficult trade sure. uh, just because not because of his ability or his character or anything like that. It, his contract is for a lot of teams couldn't take it on. And uh, they and other teams, a lot of teams have point guards they like, <laughs> you know, or small guards they like or scores. So so anyway, I, I, I just think if I'm if I'm running the franchise, of course, you'd like to see a lot less rumors out there. I'll say that I think it's gotten too, too much stuff out there. And I don't necessarily blame Monty or his people for that, but, but uh, I don't know how she'd handle it other than saying, as long as you got them on your roster, you know, they're, uh, these are the guys we're going to build around and, you know, which is they are until they're not. Yeah. And I think we're, we're still kind of getting to know Monty McNair a little bit because he, he speaks so infrequently, but we have some pretty, pretty, uh, I don't know, obvious evidence that he will say one thing to the media and do the exact opposite. I mean, Luke Walton was going to be the coach that led us to the playoffs. And three months later, he was out of a job and he didn't have long of a leash either. So, and he didn't even say that he's building around Fox and Halliburton. That was just reported. So I don't think there was anything concrete there that, that would force Monty McNair to not make a move. If it was the right move or to make a move or anything. I like, I mean, he's already, lied to us. And I use that term loosely because he's saying what he should say for the, you know, in the best interest of the franchise, I don't really even consider it a lie, but what the Kings say does not have to line up with what they do. So I don't put a whole lot of stock into, to any of that. We're building around these guys or we're not trading these guys. If the right deal is there, they're going to do it. And kind of to that point, I mean, based on the deals that they're talking about with teams today, yeah, maybe those guys are not going anywhere because the return's not good enough, but we know that as desperation increases, as we get towards the deadline, that drives negotiations forward. You know, someone might blink where they wouldn't have before, whether that's the Kings or the team that they're negotiating with. So just because they 
aren't looking to trade Fox today doesn't mean they won't tomorrow or won't an hour before the trade deadline. It, it's all fluid and, you know, it, it's easy to get caught up in every single, you know, leak or every single report or every single rumor, but it, it's all changing so rapidly at this point that we shouldn't be surprised by anything that happens between now and the deadline. I'm curious. The two, the two players that the Kings are most frequently linked to in terms of trading Fox are uh, Sabonis and Ben Simmons. And I'm curious, obviously these deals are predicated uh, not just on the players themselves, but on the pieces around them for these trades, but just in terms of fit for the team, uh, Jerry, Tony, and Greg, do you see a Sabonis trade or a Simmons trade as something that would, would end up fixing the Kings uh, for a, for a play and run or, or long-term in, in fact? Well, my opinion, I mean, both teams or both players would make you better uh, depending on what you had to give up. Yeah. But uh, if you could just bring Sabonis on board uh, and with the existing personnel, I think you're significantly better. The uh, same way with Simmons, but now the price of getting them, uh, I, I couldn't tell you that. I mean, you know, it depends, you know, all the rumors of this. And I here again, I, I, I would assume that Fox, if he were to get, you'd get Simmons, I think it would require a third team to be involved, something different. So it's, it's just such a nebulous kind of thing. I mean, it, it, and as fans, we always get excited. Boy, if we had this guy, look how good we'd be. Well, yeah, but you won't have him uh, with those, these other guys. Some of those guys will be gone. And so, uh, you know, but, but we've talked about this before. I, yeah, I'd be personally, I'd make a strong move to try to get both of them because I think they're uh, both, both more productive, potentially better players than any, anyone the Kings currently have just on that basis. You know, people, I know reading, uh, reading the, uh, the Herald, you know, that, uh, somebody, some Pacer fans decide that, uh, Sabonis slows the game down a little bit. It's like, boy, that's really bad. I'm, you know, why would we care about that? I think slowing it down and being more effective is a good thing. And, uh, you know, a guy that can get a triple-double at a position that you don't have, it seems like that would be a nice thing. Uh, you know, he's – all. I'm a fan of him. I think you can tell. I mean, he's he, – he, I mean, the, the, and he's gotten better about every year. And uh, – He's a, and he's a tough buckaroo of which we have zero tough buckaroos. <laughs> Tony, Greg, what do you what do you think about the potential fits of a Simmons or Sabonis uh, swap for Fox and whatever pieces you want to give up in your mind? Go ahead, Greg. We're in a stand still here. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there checking. I'm like, oh, did my mic go out? What, what, um, I, was I muted the whole time? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I really like Sabonis as well. I've liked him for a while now. And I. what's funny is I think a, a lot of his strengths and weaknesses, there, there's a lot of similarity actually with Fox. I mean, he's like his biggest struggle is defense. Uh, so the, the defense probably isn't a whole lot better uh, swapping out one for the other. But you know, if you're swapping out Fox for Sabonis, you know, the big thing with that type of trade is it probably kind of to Jerry's point, necessitates other moves. Like you could maybe bring Holmes off the bench or maybe try to play him alongside Sabonis or, or maybe that frees you up to do something else and change the roster in other ways. Um, but I, I think that Sabonis, the biggest thing that I would like to see if they could land him is I think that he and Halliburton would make a really good pick and roll combo. Uh, Sabonis is passing. He operates really well out of the high post, sets good screens because he knows how to use his size. 
and he's a decent enough shooter that if defenses do have to still kind of respect him as the screener, I mean, he runs a lot of pick and roll action with the Pacers right now, and they don't have anyone who's, you know, quite as good at pick and rolls as a guard as Halliburton is already. So that's the part of that trade that I'd be really excited about. Um, swapping Simmons for Fox, I think the challenge there is I always really wanted to see if the Kings could find a way to get Simmons to pair with Fox, because I think that those two complement each other very well as far as where their different strengths and weaknesses are. Um, so if you swap one for one, I still think it probably helps the team overall because in the end, I do think that Simmons is overall just in a vacuum. It's a little bit better player than Fox's. And he can maybe help address some of the issues that the Kings have with the defense and, and all those different things that uh, they struggle with all the time. <laughs> so either one of those I'm open to, but again, it, kind of to Jerry's point, you don't know what else is being thrown in, right? Because it's not going to be a one-for-one. One. So it's like, okay, well, what's the whole deal look like? That's how we're going to know whether or not it's beneficial in the long run. Um, overall, I don't think Fox should be off the table for either of those players. It probably just depends on what the rest of the deal is. Yeah, Sabonis and Simmons are the are the two prizes that actually excite me. Like so many other names we've heard, Jeremy Grant, Christian Wood, Julius Randle, like they moved the needle, but significantly less than those other two guys. And it would require a lot to get them. Uh, I've, I prefer Ben Simmons because he gives you a little bit of a, of a bigger window. I think Sabonis is under contract for next season and one more after that. So you got to accelerate your winning a bit. Whereas Ben Simmons has, I think two more years uh, longer than Sabonis himself. And uh, Simmons is a pretty easy fit. Um, and we talk about defense so much with this team. Simmons would be the best defender period they've had since maybe run our test. I don't know. I, I think that I can't think of anyone else better than, than that. Um, and he's, you know, I think it was uh, third in all defensive uh, player of the year voting last year. You can move Davion Mitchell into the starting lineup too. So then you've got Mitchell Halliburton, whoever, you, whoever stays on the team after that uh, Simmons and Holmes. And you go from a, a awful defensive team to a team that if, if you're not good at defense with Mitchell and Simmons in the starting lineup, then, I almost say that's got to be some sort of a coaching problem because you got to be able to get those guys to defend. If you can get them to defend, then, then forget about it. So I think that really changes the, the whole dynamic with, with the, the team you are. Um, but I, I would view all of these deals as something uh, with a, a plan towards next year and not expecting any of these to, to fix them immediately, especially Simmons, because he's going to take some time to get back into game shape to play. I don't know how much better you're getting swapping Fox for Simmons this year, considering he's going to need some time to get ready. So um, open to both of those deals. I just hope it's a, they take a longer term view of it instead of just trying to put a bandaid on whatever this season is. Yeah. And I think that's a real key thing there to, uh, you know, obviously Simmons and certainly my preference would be for Simmons. I think he, you know, is just a, a really has maybe proven a little more. I, I mean, I think the bottom line is that, that, you know, him Simmons at his best is a top 15 player in the league maybe 15 20 and Sabonis is is probably certainly top 30 if not uh, top 20 so those those are but that's something you don't currently have yeah. <laughs> you don't currently have and and uh, this is a talent league but uh, definitely and I also agree with uh, Greg's point you know with uh, with Simmons I do think Fox and Simmons uh, Simmons could really help Fox's yeah. game <laughs> you know, but but that's the conundrum, as it were. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, just just this is the joy about having Jerry on this podcast is that I 
I, I can think of questions that I can ask a, a former NBA coach and a former GM. And then I've got Tony and Greg tonight where I've just got pure fan perspective on this. And so uh, Jerry, I'll go to you first. Um, there's been reports that the Kings are willing to give up multiple first round picks in the pursuit of these guys uh, like Simmons and Sabonis. And I'm curious, um, is the risk sending out multiple Sacramento Kings first round picks uh, worth the risk of these players? Are these guys going to be good enough to pull the Kings out of the depths? I wouldn't do that. I, I just wouldn't do that. I mean, it's, it's certainly maybe one, <laughs> you know, uh, one protected, but no, I would not do that. I mean, I, I still think that's your best chance of getting a star uh, is through the draft. And as we know, uh, those of us followed it, I mean, when you see last year's MVP was a second round pick and the one before that was the 16th pick uh, that a Kumpo. I mean, so, you know, I mean, the, the, the draft is, is, is really important and, and, you know, be nice to, and the Kings have drafted fairly well here recently. So no, but to answer your question, I, I just think that'd be a mistake, a terrible mistake, multiple draft picks. Tony, Greg, what do you guys think about that? I agree with Jerry. That's why I lean making smaller or, or trading your veterans for picks, because if this team was as good as Monty McNair wanted them to be, if this was an eight seed, a 500 basketball team, then you could convince me that trading future firsts would be worth it. You've, you've already built, you know, yourself halfway there. So you trade some assets that are not going to, you know, be NBA ready for a few more years for win now players. And now you go from an eight seed to a six seed or a five seed. Maybe you can get a home playoff series, but they have not proven that, that you can trade a first round draft pick from this team to me. Like they're just not close enough. And that's why, you know, I think you're almost stuck with Fox and Halliburton. And that's not a bad position to be in, but I think you're, you're kind of almost stuck there because you can't trade your first round picks. And that's what it's going to take to get Simmons or Sabonis. And I think that some of that kind of goes back to kind of the, the issues of seasons past where they didn't properly evaluate where they were, you know, and didn't unload a veteran or two, you know, who, who's still a decent player, but it's not really putting you over the hump, like uh, unload one or two of those guys for someone else's future first. It doesn't have to be a great first, but sometimes it's just like, hey, now you've accumulated multiple assets that you can throw in and it's not all tied to your future. I mean, just like how the Knicks had Charlotte protected first rounder to be able to throw in to get Cam Reddish. I mean, it's a real low cost for them because it doesn't impact their you know, if the move doesn't work and the Knicks bottom out again, like they still have their pick, it's it's someone else's future at stake, right? It's still an asset and something that you could use, but, you know, it's kind of making those moves a couple steps ahead. I mean, the Kings have all their own draft picks, but that's all they've got. They've got their players and their picks and nothing else to work with. They haven't done any moves to kind of stockpile any other assets outside of, I don't know, they might own a couple of second rounders that belong to someone else, but nothing significant. You know, and, and that's another reason I think that uh, you really want to take the long look on the general manager thing a little bit, because maybe the most valuable thing you got going forward at this moment, your draft pick. <laughs> and so to d disrupt everything, uh, you know, uh, especially for at least in, in fairness, they, they have drafted well. Uh, so they've been very competent, uh, uh, completely competent in that regard. So uh, you want to keep that in mind, but uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, hey, at the end, of, at the end of it, this team has to get a star player, a, a player of more talent than you currently have. That, that's a, to me, that's the simple answer to all of it. 
the the level of talent you have to have a guy better than anybody currently on the roster some way and uh you know it's we can sit back here and say now get it done you got the green light get her done so we've uh, we've also heard uh players like uh, harrison barnes but he healed rashawn holmes are all available for the right price and that price has seemed to be uh this this qualification is that the players will fit better with fox and halliburton that they'll also help the Kings get to the playoffs this year. Uh, first, I guess, and this is kind of half serious. Does that player even exist in the trade market this year <laughs> that you could trade uh, Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald or Rashawn Holmes and Buddy Heald or any combination of those guys that will help the Kings get better, but also their price is only that. And also what would you guys expect each from, from, from these guys in the trade market? You know, what is their value currently in, 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 in the eyes of other GMs? Well, you know, my opinion on that is, and, and you know that I know with, you know, Greg and Tony probably know more about it than I do, but but to me, uh, Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes are the the most valuable commodities probably to the league, uh, based on ability and and contracts and position type thing. And now you don't, having said that, you 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 know that's not going to get you. Uh, the next all-star a proven all-star, but I think they're guy. They are the guys that probably most teams looking to add a piece to, to their team. Those are guys that, that probably are getting the most calls. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, I think it's, you know, Holmes and Barnes are one, a one B, you know, in, in some order, depending on the team that's calling you, but, and then there's a, a real long gap and then you get down to buddy's value, right? Like, I mean, sure. We all talked about this summer that the Kings keeping Holmes at the contract that they kept him at was a really good value. So, you know, he's a, a solid center that, you know, especially if you don't need him to be one of your three best players, can help a lot of teams and is a very reasonable cap hit for what he brings to the table. So I think that there's definitely going to be teams that would be interested. Uh, Barnes, you know, everyone knows what Harrison Barnes is. Good locker room guy. You know, good veteran, professional. He's not going to cause issues. Uh, you know, he can shoot. He, you know, can do a little bit of everything. Can play either forward spot. So I think that there's a lot of teams that could use him as well. The, the bigger challenge there is just that cap number and how you fit that in and make the money work. But because it's that decrease in contract, it's not too bad at this point if you trade him. Um, yeah, I definitely think that those are the two biggest assets. And then Buddy. I don't know what, that you're going to get anything too notable for Buddy. I think the best you can hope for there is maybe some expiring money and you know, maybe a, a young player as a throw-in just to kind of as a flyer, something like that. Uh, if they could get that at this point, I think that you take it and call it a win. With Buddy, you know, they, they tried to trade him for Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell last summer. I feel like you can still maybe get something along that level where it's like ah, maybe an overpaid player and then a younger guy who's maybe not getting like not in the role that he wants. So you can still use that contract to change up the chemistry of your team at least. And then with Holmes and Barnes, you're looking at uh, a first round pick and or a young player, depending on what level either one of those assets would be. And those would be good wins for this team. That'd be a, a good way to change up what you have and the assets you have. Like Greg mentioned, it, it gives you some flexibility to, go for Cam Reddish or I know Jared Allen was had for a first round pick the year before that. So you can, you can get creative and interesting. I think a lot of people get uh, like this retooling plan a little bit confused with a full out tank where I think the Kings could 
move some of these veterans this trade deadline and try for the playoffs just as hard as they did this year or next season. It, they can try again at the beginning of next year and see how far they get based on how creative Monty McNair gets this year, even if those moves are trading away some of your better veteran players. Like they're already 10 games below 500. You can do that again as a, as a much more flexible roster, a younger roster, and see what the, the potential of that team is. So it doesn't need to be a, a huge step back, even if you're trading some of these players that you do like. Yeah, Tony, I, I, I think that's I think that's correct. I, I think we are we've talked about it enough to where we've been blue in the face about how we don't need a, 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 a we don't need the process in Sacramento. Basically, we don't need a big long term rebuild that the Kings could drop out this year and come back stronger next year than they have this year just by simply trading some of these veterans and 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 sending out you know you know sending sending vets away for young assets or picks. And they'd be just as happy, just just as strong next year, and and fit better around Fox and the core. Jerry is is I, I guess I'll start this way. McNair uh, had a press conference this week with uh, Carmichael Dave, and uh, he he mentioned uh, there was a lot of smoke. There was a lot of just McNair saying nothing at all. But the thing I took away from it, being who I am, was that he said that there isn't a, a three or four year rebuild in the future of the Sacramento Kings. Um, are you surprised by that at all, Jerry? Because I'm not. No, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, I, I think, uh, and really, I think it's a, a, a tough situation here right now. I, I mean, I, uh, you know, with the fan base, really, it's eroding. You know, I mean, those of us that have eyeballs in our heads, I mean, uh, it, it's, a, it's a tough time for the franchise right now. And, and uh, this, I don't believe uh, a three or four year period more like what we've just seen this year can work. So uh, I, I definitely think you've got to be more aggressive and turn around. I, it's very similar to the 97, 98 or 98, 99 season where the team, I think Eddie Jordan was a coach and, and uh, ended with 19 out of the last 20 games as losses and, and the fans weren't coming to the games. I mean, really, it was really desperate. And fortunately, you know, everything kind of clicked. It lost uh, Brian Grant to free agency to Portland, but, but as it turned out, that opened up cap space for Vlade Divac. Uh, you know, a great trade of Mitch Richmond for, for Webb, uh, a couple of free agents that weren't really wanted particularly, but were good players, uh, John Barry and Scott Pollard. You got off the scrap heap who could play, you know, I mean, that's just like most good teams, whether it's the Warriors or, you know, you have to be able to, to get guys like that. And then, of course, two rookies that were really good, Pedro Stoyakovich and Jason Williams, came at the same time. So, in other words, I'm just saying everything changed. Everything changed. And, of course, a new coach, a guy by the name of Rick Adelman, came in to replace Eddie Jordan. So, you know, it was the same general manager. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, and I think that's where this franchise is. I mean, now, to, I don't mean to say that they can make all those changes to that level and, and, and just turn around that quick. Don't mean that at all, uh, because I don't think that's possible. But I think that there, it's a case where they've got to make some changes this year rapidly to get them in position. Maybe by next year, you, you could do more. And then be in a position to where fans would say, oh, yeah, this is 
you know, there's a chance this stuff might work here. You know, I mean, that's all. I mean, I know that's getting talking around, but I, I, I think that's where it is. I, I don't want to be that negative. I hate to be that negative, but, but if, if, if there's not some changes on a positive note to where fans can say, okay, it's not real good, but it's getting a little better and we could see where it could get better in another year, then, you know, I, I, I think there's a chance, but, you know, status quo is, is not going to work. Greg, Tony, I'm curious. Um, I heard three or four year rebuild. It wasn't in the future. I heard nothing about a two year rebuild like we've been talking about. Is Monty McNair stealing our notes? Is he ready to uh, to fully commit to two years of uh, bringing it down to bring us back up? I, I don't think he is. But the other thing is, I don't think any of us have. You no, know, maybe will, but most of us have not been <laughs> asking for that. Even. <laughs> like, like, really, like all I've been asking for for the last several years now has been like just once. Like, you get to the trade deadline, you realize that you're not doing well. Just like sell off a couple vets, you know, kind of restock the 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 war chest with other things. You know, maybe clean up the books a little bit, and just it's okay to be bad for the second half of a season. I mean, we're bad anyway, at least like just steer into it for once and, and just like fans will get excited about the draft. We see it every year, even though we're yeah. picking like 12, like, you know, just once, like, yes. get, you know, don't rely on, you know, it, it, I know Jerry, you're, you're a big proponent. It's still a lottery. There's no guarantees. Right. It, it, and, you know, so it's not a, it's not a foolproof plan. No, that's why they call it a lottery. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, there's still luck, right? But right now, the the plan is, you know, hope that you defy the odds by having a really slim chance to move up, and, and hope it goes your way, as opposed to, well, yeah, the odds are still better that you move down than up. That's true for every yes. team at the top, but the odds of moving of being in the top five are still a lot better than they are if you're starting at the lottery at twelve. <laughs> like, so my whole thing is like. Just once, like just maybe push the odds a little more in your favor, tip the scales a little bit. We're still going to rely on some luck, but even in a worst case, like even if you do move down, you move down from a higher starting position. So you're still better off than if you played it to the wire and, and ended up 10th or, or 12th or wherever you are. And I think if you do that once, I mean, you've got Fox, you've got Halliburton. We know that there's, there's some talent there. Give them another high draft pick, another – guy who has greater star potential you know we know that you still have to draft well you know there, there's that piece of it too there's a lot that can go wrong but let's just try it because we haven't tried that in a long time and we've been doing it one way and it's not working so you know let's mix it up a little that's all i've ever been asking for i'm not looking for a full you know process sixers tear down i, I don't want You're that closer to me than you think Greg. I, I don't want a full tear down like <laughs> It's just like for once, just admit that the season's lost, you know, in, instead of trying to wring every bit out of it that you can with hopes that you could stumble into the 10th seat. <laughs> yeah. One other thing Monty McNair did say to Carmichael Dave was that, yes, he's not in for a three to four year rebuild, but he also wasn't going to make any crazy trades to go all in for a play in appearance this year. So he did leave the door open just a little crack yeah. for what we're talking about here. So if you're, if you're looking for something to, to be a little bit optimistic about, and, but also to Greg's point, 
fans check out when there's when there's no stakes, no point in watching, nothing interesting. And just from our like a behind the scenes for what we do at the King's Herald, our traffic, our comments, our engagement, all of that goes crazy every year again at the draft, at the draft lottery, at the trade deadline, during free agency. So the fans are there. They're excited. They're ready for something new. That they, they will check back in at the beginning of every year if you give them reasons to do it, if you give them high draft picks, if you give them uh, you being interesting, trade rumors. Are you in the mix? Are you relevant? Are you doing anything of significance at all? But you can't do nothing for two years, continue to lose, do nothing interesting. I mean, their big acquisitions for a playoff run last year was Mo Harkless and Terrence Davis. I mean, that, that's not going to get butts in the seats. It's not going to get anybody excited. Then you do nothing all offseason in free agency. You've got to do something and the fans will come back. So I do think they'd get behind a, a young, interesting, new, different young team next year. And it doesn't need to be this brute force our way into the play. And there's other roads to fan interest and, and getting people in that arena. Well, too, and you know, the, the thing I always say about the draft, and, and I mean, it, it is a, you know, crapshoot to a lot of degree. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, just last year, I mean, it looks like Mobley and Scotty Barnes are the two best rookies now. And I think that's likely to hold up over the years. So that's three and four. Uh, I mean, right now, would you rather have Zion Williamson or John Morant? Uh, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a question that uh, probably would change them, you know, which was yeah. one, one was a sure thing and uh, the other one, you know, so, but, but to, to Greg's point, which is right. I mean, still the being, I'd rather be four than five and I'd rather be seven than eight. I mean, because uh, you just, you've got a better chance of getting, if you're, if you're drafting correctly, you've got a better chance of getting that difference maker. And every year in the draft, there is a couple of difference makers, you know, yeah. there is Uh it's not always who people think that they are. I mean, you know, one year it's Markel Fultz. Well, no, actually it isn't, uh, you know, as it turns out. I mean, so, so, but, so I'm for, I'm for keeping your draft picks. I'm for, you know, if, if you can, uh, the lower right now, I'm on Will's board here. I, the lower you can get down there, the better, because I, I do think it's, it, if that does give fans something, some reason to stay hooked up and then of course gives you a chance at a star which I, you know I go back and forth on this get a star any way you can and if uh, you know basically to win a championship generally speaking uh you you it's harder to build through the draft than than any other slower i mean the warriors were the best i ever saw at it you know they got three guys you know of course draymond green a late pick uh, Clay Thompson and and Curry weren't high, real high, but they were the right guys. And uh, but then again, they, you know, they added nice pieces with them, uh, the Iguodalas and and Bogut's and guys like that that uh, they wouldn't have won a championship without them. So so anyway, well, uh, that's a, that's a, that's that's just me rambling, being an old man. It's pissed off and and uh, <laughs> want to see something change. I think, uh, yeah, Tony kind of hit on it and Jerry, you did too. I mean, give us anything different because at this point, this core has been together a long time. I mean, Halliburton's newer, but I mean, Fox, Harrison, Holmes, Buddy, I mean, the, we've seen that record. Like we know that that combination of guys 
they've tried tinkering around the edges. They did it last trade deadline. They did the offseason. They tried kind of swapping out the role players. But that core group, you got to mix it up in any way you can, as much as you can at this point, because that's what's not working. And and that's why it feels so stagnant is because that group of guys has been around for a number of years at this point. Yeah. You know, if we if we see some change there, then, you know, better, worse, and differently, at least it's something different. <laughs> you know, the, the core makeup of the team is different, and that's in, at least interesting because you don't know how it's going to work or not work. Yeah, Greg, I, I think, too, the, the thing that's kind of forgotten is the players themselves – they need to see it. They need a change. Yeah. They need to be yeah. shaken up a little bit because as we say, we, it's not working as it is. We don't, you know, it may not work any better uh, going forward. Who, who knows, but you gotta, it, it isn't working. And the players themselves have gotten pretty apathetic in my opinion that, uh, you know, it's like, Hey guys, uh, this is your jobs. And some of you are going to have jobs somewhere else. <laughs> and uh that's just uh that's the nature of the business and, and i think it's uh they've gotten you know we we've kind of gotten a, a very comfortable group i think very yeah. very comfortable group uh so and 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 you don't want that no, not at all I, I guess uh jerry you kind of led me down this path so i'm going to rant about it again anybody who who says that they can't watch a team that's young and hungry is either stupid or lying to themselves. I mean, I understand that there are people that go, well, no, I want to push. I want to see a playoff team. And, and that's all good and well. I understand it. I would love to see a playoff team, but this, this team isn't a young team. This team isn't a necessarily good team. This team certainly isn't a playoff team. And if, if you're telling me that you wouldn't watch a few years of, of the Cleveland Cavaliers, this Cleveland Cavaliers squad is good and they'll be good for a long time. And their previous two years, they won 19 games and they won 22 games. And sure, I'm sure that was miserable. But if you couldn't hang on for two years to jump onto the Cleveland Cavaliers again this year, then you're just not a fan of basketball, I feel like. If you couldn't see, you know, some of these young guys and watch them and be okay for two years where these guys are working hard, they're just not very good, then okay, then, 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 then give up. But I, I would certainly watch a Memphis Grizzlies squad these last three or four years even before John Morant when they were winning 22 games, because it takes one guy. If you've got a, a young core, it takes one extra addition to move that core from mm, they're young and they're trying hard to all of a sudden they're the third in the, in, in the, in the Western conference, or they're in the top six in the East and the Kings, they have decent pieces. They need that one guy. And, and I think a lot of people are lying to themselves. If, if they see the Oklahoma city thunder and they go, this is a bad team. I'd never watch them. It's like, okay, but they're going to, they're that one guy away. They're their John Morant away. They're their Evan Mobley away from being incredible. And with all the extra draft picks and everything uh, involved, they'll, they'll get that guy eventually. That's a near guarantee in my mind. I mean, anyone who's still watching the Kings at this point in time is willing to watch a lot of bad basketball. Like, yes. come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but those are great examples, uh, I think, you know, Cleveland and, and Memphis, you know, because I, I find myself switching to watch them play a lot because I really like watching them play just like like what you're talking about if you really enjoy basketball and they're young teams that, that really like you seem to like each other and play well and then you got you know with Cleveland uh, Kevin Love uh, the old hand all of a sudden loves playing again <laughs> you know who, who checked out <laughs> yeah. who checked out for a while but uh, you know one other example that interests me see what you guys think is Chicago Bulls basically they've been built 
you know, hey, Zach Levine by trade, uh, Vucevic, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Lonzo Ball. I mean, that's a uh, that's you know the basically one of the best records in the East, and they didn't draft any of those guys. So you can do it. Yeah. You know, you can do it. There's different ways of doing it, uh, which we all know. And what we do know is right now the way we're doing it ain't working. Yeah, what's interesting to me about Chicago is, to me, Chicago did what Monty McNair has talked about doing for two years and just never did. They remained aggressive. They went and got players that took advantage of opportunities. They were that aggressive team that's going for it. Like, like we were told the Kings were going to be aggressive and they were going to go for it. They never actually did. But, Jerry, you're right. Chicago is an example of a team who actually went for it, um, and it worked out for them. And they were aggressive in what they gave up as well, right? Because they... Yeah, you know, the, you look at the pick that they gave up to Orlando for Vucevic, that became Franz Wagner. Like, that's not nothing. Like, Orlando got a good return yeah. still, but mm-hmm. Chicago's happy with the decision because they pushed in and they're number one or number two in the East right now. Like, they they went for it on every front. You know, aggressive in free agency, aggressive in trades. You know, and the trades were first because no one was going to Chicago in free agency. You know, unless it was a big what was viewed as an overpay with. Um, or no, it wasn't even um, for agency. They traded for Levine and just kept him on what was debatable as no. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so uh, they went for it, to, but they did it and they did it well. They pulled it off and it can be done. Like, And if that's what you Kings want to do, just pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and you have to, like you say, you have to give up things to get there. I mean, certainly uh, Chicago gave up Wendell Carter, who's a nice young player. But, but, you know, it's also true is, yes, and they were losing a lot of games with him. <laughs> and, and Orlando's losing a lot of games with him. It's not his fault necessarily, but it's like at some point you got to say, well, you know, not you guys get tired of me saying this, but every, every losing team has a leading score and a leading rebounder and, and, and all that stuff. And so sometimes you got to divorce yourself from that. It's like, well, that, uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, Wendell Carter isn't the answer. You know, he might be, he might be really good in three or four years, but we don't want to wait three or four years. We, you know, we, we got to do something now and to their credit. They did. They took, and it's risky. It's risky. But uh, right now you like the risk they did because it's working. Yeah. The Kings are the version of Chicago that kept Wendell Carter and re-signed Laurie Markkinen and kept trying to develop Colby White, even though it wasn't working. Like that is who the Kings ended up being, where they stuck with their guys and got nothing out of it and are in the exact same position they would have been in two years ago if they just did nothing. So you're totally, that's an interesting commentary that I hadn't really thought of, but it is, it is what the Kings wanted to be versus what the Kings turned into. Jerry, before a new segment, I have one one last thing. I'm, I just want to, I just want to ask you from a gamesmanship standpoint as, as a former GM, uh, Daryl Morey earlier this week was on a was on a radio show in Philadelphia, and I don't know if you heard about yeah, this. Yeah, I not, know what you're. Yeah, but he very specifically. Go ahead. <laughs> he very specifically <laughs> mentioned. He said, "I can tell you for sure there are deals with the Sacramento Kings that would work." Is that is that I'd I'd never heard of a GM just straight up calling out a team saying, "Yeah, if you want it, you can come get it." And I'm curious to your thoughts on that. Well, I think the fact that he and Monty have a relationship allow kind of he felt allowed him to kind of throw that out there i don't think it's uh, really the right thing to do but but i do understand that but of course and knowing daryl a little bit i mean as usual 
uh, yeah, sure, there's a, a, a deal out there. 17 first round picks and all your best players for the for the uh, till the new millenniums again. But but I mean, that's like, of course, there's always a deal. Why do you need to say that about the Kings or why do you need to say that? It, you know, I'd be like Monty saying, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're there's a deal to get Simmons. Uh, we're 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 confident of that. Well, of course, that's how I, I I'm not a fan of Maury. I, I think if I'm Doc Rivers, I'm about ready choking, uh, you know, <laughs> because all, all he knows is he's wanting to win the East and he's got a darn nice team without one of its best players. And if, if he could get somebody 70% as good as Ben Simmons, he'd be way better than he is now and have a better chance to win the championship. And then for Maury to say, yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're, we're ready to hold it, you know, hold, hold him for four years if we have to. Oh, that's great strategy. Great strategy. See how that works for you. You look at the season Embiid is having, and it's like, you've got this huge trade asset that at this point is taking away, if you trade it, is taking away nothing from the current team and the current success they're having. And you could add in a couple really good guys that would fit in really nice, and not just from the Kings. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that could give you a lot of things. Maybe it's not another top 20 player, but man, it could really help a legit title run this year. And that, at the end of the day, is really what it's all supposed to be about. I, I'm i going to feel yeah. bad for Sixers fans if they end up just completely wasting this year of what Joel Embiid is doing. Yeah, especially this year when the league is so mm-hmm. wide open. Like you, well, you have plenty of seasons where there's dynasties and super teams where you can't win, even if you, you know, you can put everything behind it and you still won't win. But this year, I mean... You got one of the best players in the league, a very good coach. Like you said, Greg, a huge asset ready to be traded. If you don't go all in now, I don't know when you're going to do it. Jerry, is there any, is there uh, in your mind, is there any chance that Daryl Morey decides to hold out till the off season, maybe to wait to see if he could sign and trade for James Harden or something like that? Or is this just all smoke and mirrors and Daryl Morey is going to give it up at the deadline? No, I think with Daryl, I think uh, I, I, I could see where he, it might be a, he could wait one year. I don't see it past that, but I could, I definitely could see him, you know, if he thinks he could get James Harden, which might not be the smartest thing he could do uh, long-term. I mean, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's his, probably his goal is to try to get James Harden. So, but if you're the coach or the owner at some point, I, I, I think they got to be looking a little cross-eyed at Daryl. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's like, uh, yeah, there, if you can guarantee me that we can get James Harden in the summer, yeah, which uh, the, the, you, he can't, so I, I don't know. I, I just think I look at it more from the coach's perspective. They're really good. They're playing good. And you know, they need another piece, no question about it, at least one more piece. And if, if, if you can get a really good player uh, and a pick for Simmons that would make that you could plug in right now, I, I think they'd be foolish not to do it. That's that's my thinking. This was just the, uh, the first example I've ever seen. You've heard teams flirt before. You've seen GMs kind of wink at each other about, oh, we might do a deal. I've never seen one GM slip another his hotel room key and point at the door that he's going to be laying down on the bed in. That was yeah. just the strangest thing I'd, I'd seen. So I wanted to get your opinion on that one, Jerry. I appreciate it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what the, what the Monty thinks of that. You know that you know he won't say, but I can't believe that uh, that uh, made him uh, made him feel warm and cuddly. Yes. <laughs>
So let's uh, let's roll into it, Greg. I don't know if you've heard this, but we have a new segment where I give uh, Tony and Jerry a chance to talk about any other game, any other team, any other storyline. Tony's even gone so far as to talk about stuff that's not necessarily sports related, um, but anything that they've encountered in the last two weeks. The only rule is that they cannot talk about the Sacramento Kings. So, Greg, since you're the guest, I'll let you go first. What's something that you saw in the last two weeks non-Kings related? Uh, well, I've, I've got to check my 49ers. I mean, a couple of really great uh, wins in the playoffs and really enjoying the ride with this team. Uh, it, it's been something that has been such a fun change of pace from <laughs> Kings basketball that, like, I didn't watch the Bucks game yesterday. I, I watched the, the 49ers game, and it had a, a just an absolute blast, and it, it's just been great. That's all I got to say. Like, I don't, I don't know how far that team can go, but it's just been a lot of fun and I'm enjoying the ride. I'm happy for my 49ers fans, uh, my 49er fan friends, because uh, a little bit earlier the season, they were just as down as the Kings were in my mind. I was hearing some of them whine and complain and all of a sudden they're, they're a win away from the Super Bowl. So, so good for them. Tony, what about you? Uh, well, I watched football again. I'm sure that's what Jerry's answer is going to be as well. Unfortunately, my team didn't do so good. Um, I am rooting for for the Niners. That was my first Niners game uh, all year was the game yesterday. And I know Greg kind of already hit on it. I just got to say, this is an obvious statement. Everyone probably thinks this. I don't know, whatever. The Niners jerseys are the best. That, that's, that's a great, awesome color scheme, awesome jerseys. I, I couldn't stop thinking of that when I was watching them because I hadn't watched them in in at least not this year, maybe not even for a few years, because I'm not a huge football guy if it's not the Patriots. But, man, the Niners jerseys are awesome. That's all I got for you, Will. No, I appreciate it. Jerry, what about you? Well, basically, it's uh, the NFL, too. You know, I uh, <laughs> I really have really gotten into the NFL. I don't know squat about football, but I just enjoy the heck out of it. And, and I'm really happy for the Niners. But I, I, my, my thoughts really is I there's I don't think I've ever seen some, so much talent at – Young quarterbacks. I mean, when you look at Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and and uh, Joe Burrow and uh, and Herbert at, uh, with the with the Chargers, I mean, just marvelous talents. It all could be first ballot Hall of Famers, and, and if they stay healthy, and it's just obviously great for their game. You know, uh, just as the NBA needs a, a new bunch of young stars and. You know, we as we see John Morant, which uh, that's my other thing. I, I like what he said. You know, I make a point to, to, to watch. You know, watch Memphis and Cleveland as much as I can because I just like watching uh, Mobley and and Ja. I think there are uh, guys that that are going to be elite elite players for for years to come, and 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 those teams as obviously as well. So, yeah, just great young talent. And fellas, all the Kings need is a big dose of great young talent. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> great young talent, not young. Just <laughs> young. Well, There's a lot of young guys. We don't need just young guys. <laughs> we got no, plenty of great, great young guys. Great young guys. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll say that uh, I was the only one who didn't watch football this week, and I stood by my word. Uh, in a preview earlier this week, I was uh, fairly grumpy about this King squad and watching back-to-back -back losses to Houston and the Pistons. Uh, it got to me. So I uh, recommended that everybody watch a different game. And instead of watching a very exciting football game, I decided to watch uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And that was my that was my Super Bowl. That was the best. I mean, watching two young teams play with a lot of young talent, as Jerry said. 
the Thunder didn't get over uh, 90 points. It was a it was a 94 to 87 game, so it, there was a not a lot of scoring involved, and as sometimes young teams can do. But uh, watching a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander, watching Darius Garland get to play head to head against each other, that was a uh, it was like watching Jimmy Garoppolo throw a touchdown pass, uh, a somewhat rare sight, but uh, <laughs> a welcome one when it does happen. And uh, Evan Mobley had a 15 and 17. He, I mean, just watching some of these guys, Alexei Pokushevsky didn't play, which is a little bit of a moment for me. Yeah, that's going to happen a lot, Will. But a fantastic game overall. Jerry, you can't bring me down. I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about tanking teams, baby. I'm untouchable right now. So I'll, I'll wrap up and say that was a, a fantastic game between two young teams who I look forward to watching to watching for uh, for a very very long time. So before I let Jerry interrupt again by hurting my feelings once more, Tony, why don't you take it away with uh, the Patreon question of the day? Thanks, Will. Uh, on every episode of this podcast, we ask one question from our Kings Herald patrons at uh, patreon.com slash Kings Herald. And any questions we don't ask on the main show, we do a Q&A once a month or we ask the rest of them. So keep submitting them. We'll get to them eventually. This week's question comes from LL Coolray on Twitter. Um, classic Kings Twitter uh, contributor there, I would say. And he has a good question. And I want Will and, and Greg to think about this too, because I saw it. I couldn't think of an immediate answer. Maybe Jerry has one, but you guys might have one too. Uh, Ray asks, since it's trade season, is there a trade offer Jerry knows the Kings turned down that in hindsight was a mistake? You mean in recent times, I assume, in the last year or so? And, well, whatever you got. It can be now, can be before just anything that or even if it wasn't you know it's hard to tell what they actually had available it was a rumor that was like uh would have been nice if they did that because I, I had a hard time thinking on myself yeah i mean it, i i really don't i mean it's so much of the rumors and i mean other than you know which the kings didn't turn down but you know, so i don't know of any really good now i know some from the past you know that like i've always said the two trades that i wanted to do that really was kind of I couldn't do was one for uh, Jeff Hornacek when he was still uh, at, at, at the Phoenix and, you know, just kind of merging, you know, I thought it was one of those, uh, and then Detlef Schrapp, I thought those were two guys that, you know, you, if you got basically, uh, you, you'd get a lot better, but so, so those type things. And, and I'm sure that, that every team, every team has, a bunch of those, you know, uh, the, the one trade that always did, I, I've heard this from very reliable sources, by the way, and I know it's true that the uh, Milwaukee Bucks had the opportunity to, to either get Steph Curry or Monte Ellis. And, and they chose oh. Monte Ellis. So, uh, no. <laughs> so, so for, so for, uh, you know, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the way stuff goes because nobody knew at that time, yeah. you know, that Steph was yeah. going to be an all-time great. No more than when Phoenix first had Steve Nash, they traded him to Dallas. And then Dallas had him, and, and he was really good, and they traded him to Phoenix, and he became an all-time great, which uh, – so, you know, there you are. Uh, I mean, it's uh, – and right now, that's what – you know, what the Kings need is one of those guys that is really good that's just getting ready to be – Great. <laughs> yeah. Getting ready to bust out. Will I got one, or, or Greg, you got one, Will? Let's hear it. I could I got one. one. And this is the only one I can think of only because it was public knowledge. Uh Vladi Divok uh <laughs> turned down and he had a better trade two days ago. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And, yeah. and he turned that one yeah. down. 
So Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, a first round pick, and Buddy Heald weren't enough for Demarcus Cousins. He had a better trade two days ago, and he admitted to it. So that's the only one publicly that I can think of. There you go. And there's your answer, Ray. Oh boy, yeah, that was. You never should admit that. I know. Yeah, whatever <laughs> trade that was two days ago, we had it. <laughs> only thing I can think of, and it's been like. Uh, James Ham mentioned it on Twitter, and I don't know if it was just kind of talking about the speculation or if it was you know, something that had been heard. It's definitely not been confirmed, right? But uh, just that, you know, at some point last year's trade deadline that Harrison Barnes for a first and uh, one of Pritchard, uh, Nesmith, or, or Nesmith, or um, who's the other guy? Romeo Langford. Langford. Uh, so kind of their pick of one of those three guys plus the pick, and, and that pick ended up being the pick that became Calvin yeah. Shangun. So, like uh, that one, I, I'd rather have that than be shopping Harrison Barnes this year. I don't know. That's, me, but, uh, <laughs> That's a great one. Also, if we get into the ripple effects, if the Kings were a couple games worse last year maybe the pick goes a little bit higher maybe they got out we could go down the rabbit hole yes. right? scotty barnes and chen goon yeah. oh god that, that see that's a team we're cheering for and and uh there's your two there's your two there's your uh two-year turnaround right there scotty barnes and alpern shen goon go a long way towards turning that team around quick they really would yeah i mean scott i always said i, I really think scotty barnes is the next scotty pippen i mean I, I just think he's a i mean he just makes you better you know and and certainly the Raptors are, you know, I think they got beat tonight, but yet they're playing really good. I think they're, they could be scary in the East if they stay healthy. Absolutely. Jerry, we're going to, we're going to go right to you for, uh, for your Reynolds wrap up. What do you got for us this week? Well, uh, I, I, I think the only thing we've already talked about it, but, but just thinking that, you know, really feeling, uh, feeling for Monty. Uh, Monty McNair. I know he's a bright guy and a good guy and, and just so much pressure on him because I, and I really think there is, you know, when you come out publicly from on high that he's got the green light, like I said, I would assume that should have always been there, but uh, that means you really, he's really expected to do something. Uh, certainly the fans expect it to, uh, as certainly we do. And, and so it's a, you know, it's, it's just really a, can be, a, a, a tough go and, and you just hope that even with all the pressure that he he basically doesn't panic and and, and make a bad deal I mean uh, that's that's the thing you know it's a, it's it's like we we say too often it's like well you know it can't get worse well yeah actually it can <laughs> I've seen that so so uh, uh so it can and so so I'm just I'm really hoping for him to to be able to pull off something you know, to, to at least give you hope here. That's all. That's all. I mean, and that's, I don't expect this franchise to get turned around at trade deadline. Uh, and I don't think he can do that because honestly, I don't think the assets are there to do that much with, but uh, I do think he has to, he has to make some changes to where, uh, you know, us second guessers can set back and say, well, at least that's one good step. So that's it. No, I agree. I think all of us agree here, Jerry. Which means nothing in the greater <laughs> realm of things. Well, uh, for everyone here at uh, the King's Herald, uh, I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode. I want to thank uh, Greg again for coming on. 
and uh, being able to chit chat with us and and uh, shoot the shit. Um, we're gonna we're gonna head over now and do a Patreon exclusive episode where we answer uh, any question that you guys throw at us, uh, Kings related or not. Um, so uh, head on over there if you guys if you guys want to hear more of Greg and more Jerry and more Tony. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Um, and uh, between now and then, there's going to be a lot of things happening. It'll be real close to the deadline by the next time we talk. So uh, fingers crossed on everything, and we'll see you soon. Uh, thanks, everyone.